Hello, everybody. Welcome once again for another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs. We have our small business owners. We have our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your enterprise. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe. Fresh content in your iTunes every week. Over 160 episodes on a plethora of topics from some of the leading business creators in the world await you now. Today's topic is something that is extremely near and dear to my heart. Those of you who have been following for a while know that I've been in this industry for going on 14 years now. So I go back to the early days. I remember back when MySpace was this hot new thing that everybody was looking to figure out how to monetize. I remember back in those days. So that just gives you kind of a framework about how long I've been doing this. And I have seen things come and go. I've seen the advent of social media. I've seen Periscope, Blab, Facebook Live. I've seen blogging. I've seen all these things out there that were supposed to be the death of email marketing. I was there for the Gmail tabs, and I showed everybody how to make the Gmail tabs monetize for you. I love the Gmail tabs. That was one of your other deaths of email marketing. Every time you turn around, the latest new thing that's supposed to create audience engagement is the death of email marketing, and I've seen so many of them come and go. But when the dust settles, what is always there, still trucking along, running smoothly, you guessed it, email marketing. That is why I am especially happy, and this is an interview that we have had coming for a long time now. We are going to have with us today Patty Farmer, who is going to share with us on how to leverage your list, conversation to conversion. Again, very close to my heart because at the Business Creators Institute, we talk about the website conversion conversation. So very similar minds here. We have some genius level thinking here today. Just to tell you a little bit about Patty in case you haven't heard of her yet, Patty Farmer is an international speaker, radio host, event producer, and best-selling author. She specializes in marketing and business growth strategies and works with lifestyle entrepreneurs and speakers to attract and convert their ideal clients 24-7 so they can make a bigger impact on the world and even bigger deposits in their bank account. You can ask her anything about this, but as we go through, you're going to find some great wisdom when it comes to email marketing. So, Patty, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I am really looking forward to doing this interview. And like you said earlier, we've been waiting for a while to have it. <laughs> but I just know that this is going to be well worth waiting for. So I hope everybody has their pen and paper ready. You know, I was just about to say, again, genius level thinking. Uh, for all of our episodes, not only am I the host, but I'm also a student in the audience listening with everybody else. And even as I'm conducting the interview, I have my pen and paper out because I'm looking for the slight edge in my business. I don't believe there's such a thing as knowing everything because just when you think you know everything is when you need to go back to school. So I always keep myself in student mode, and that benefits me every single day, as it should everybody. But what we like to do here is there's a couple questions I normally ask before we get into the heart of our interviews. And the very first one is, what I'd like to do here, Patty, is you know, we heard about your biography here. Uh, we're aware of who you are and how you deliver the value and what the value is, which is all fantastic. But tell us a little bit about the journey that you've taken that has brought you right here today to the intersection of brilliance and passion from which you serve our business creators. Absolutely. So it's kind of a little interesting story, and I'll keep it brief. But about nine years ago, I was living in Las Vegas. That's where I'm from. My husband came home from work and said that he had gotten transferred and we were moving to Texas. 
And at that time, I owned a brick-and-mortar marketing firm as well as a mortgage company. So two brick-and-mortar companies. Right. So I sold my companies and moved to Dallas, Texas. And when I moved there, here was the interesting thing. I was there. I'm waiting for my Internet to get hooked up. My husband's at work. And I'm sitting there, and I'm having this kind of authentic moment. It was a big aha for me and a huge, huge um, key moment in my business. And I thought to myself, here I am. I'm used to being in Las Vegas, and I have these two companies, and now I'm in this metroplex, and I don't know anybody. Like, what was I going to do? And then in that moment, I had this aha. And you know how, Adam, how people like to say, oh, I'm B2B, business to business, right? Or I'm B2C, business to consumer. But the reality is we're really P2P. We're people to people. We are in a people business. And I always like to tell people when I speak, look to your right and look to your left. Is there a person next to you or a B or a C, right? So in that moment, I thought to myself, Patty, this is an opportunity. You are in a Metroplex and you don't know one single person. So I got up, I went to the refrigerator, and I wrote 100000 on the refrigerator. And when my husband came home, he said, what's this 100000 And I said, I made a goal for myself. In one year, I am going to know 100,000 people. I'm going to build a community of 100,000 people. I'm going to make $100,000. My husband said, I love that. I love that goal. That's a great goal. I actually did it in nine months. But I did it using one strategy, and that strategy was that I was in a people business and that I was going to get out in front of people and deliver value. I was going to get to know people, see how I could serve them, and I was going to have a serve, not sell mentality, which is really kind of what my mindset really is all about, right? If you serve and not sell, you always got to leave a contribution, right? And so um, it happened in nine months. So I built my business. Now, here's the interesting thing, Adam. Just 11 days ago, we left Dallas and we moved again. So here I am in the town. I just got done unpacking, and I haven't met one single person where I am now again. So it's kind of exciting for me because certainly I've learned a lot in the nine years that I was in Dallas, right? And so now I get to do it all over again, and I know how to do it now and can teach it as well. So it's really all about relationship marketing. It always comes down to people and the conversations you have with people and how you can serve them. Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, related to that topic, we see so much on social media of people who really fall short in the areas of being civil. And then we get on email lists and then we see these people who not only unsubscribe when they decide they don't want to be on a list anymore, but they have to write these real nasty notes besides, which, by the way, for anybody out there who's ever written a really nasty note to somebody while unsubscribing, uh, they're going to read it and they're going to laugh at you and say good riddance. So just get off their list and move on and let them find the customers they need to serve and you find the right people to serve you. But all the same... The reason I bring up those two things is because what we so frequently forget when it comes to marketing, whether it's email marketing and also with social marketing, uh, when we see people's avatars, is behind all that, there are people. And that's why I love people-to-people marketing. So, yeah, you go on Facebook and you uh, decide you're going to flame somebody because you notice that they clicked like on a page related to something that you don't like. So you decide to attack them and call them all kinds of names and everything else. Would you do that if you saw them in the street? And if you did, why would anybody think to do anything other than just block you? That's what we have to remember. People to people. I agree. And when you think of people as people, my point here is it makes things go so much more smoothly and it opens up opportunities that you'll never find by doing customer research and uh, and avatars and things like that. That's how you're really going to discover how you grow your business and how you reach more people is by doing people to people, which is really the big reason why I brought Patty on today. Now, our listeners know there's one more thing we need to ask before we get into leveraging your list and con- conversation to conversion. And we hear the drum roll, my cat's looking at me funny, and here it comes. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything we say they need to do, except for time and money. 
This is a question we ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show. What I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted by our guests. So, Patty, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? I love this question. Absolutely love this question. So we all know that we can never get time back. Once time is spent, That's right. it's done, right? So you really, I think that it is all about how that factors in to us. Now, personally for me, if I had to choose, I wouldn't because why do you have to choose? I say let's have both time and money, and if you do it correctly, you will. So what I'm going to say is how it is going to impact them is, again, all boils down to one thing, one thing, one word, and that's implementation. Nothing I say is going to impact them time or money if they don't implement anything because I'm going to tell you action trumps potential any day of the week. So that's what I'm going to say. Nothing is going to happen if they don't execute. Right, just like just like people don't get known by what they plan to do. Exactly. I always say that an idea that never leaves your living room makes no one any money or an impact on anyone. You know, I was having a conversation with this about somebody with somebody just the other day, and the topic came up of the famous internet meme known as Grumpy Cat. And somebody pointed out to me that they watched her Christmas movie, uh, Grumpy Cat's Most Awful Christmas Ever, I believe it's called. And they said, wow, that was a really awful movie. It was seriously bad. I'm sorry I watched it. And I just, I just paused, you know, that pause, you know, that something profound is about to happen. And I said to them, well, how did your movie do? You mean to tell, you mean to tell me you're letting some cat make a movie and you're not making a movie? Who are you to judge? Exactly. Right. So it's all it's all about the execution. It's about what you versus what you plan to do as opposed to what you're actually doing. That's what matters. So speaking of doing, let's get into this now. How would you define the word list? How I define the word list is yeah. really about community. It's your community, it's your tribe, it's your network. So everybody likes to use those words interchangeably, so it's whatever really resonates with them. But at the end of the day, it is all your list. So whether it is on social media or whether it is on email marketing, and I know we're kind of focusing on that, but the reality is that on your list, you should be doing that on social media too. If you're not segmenting your list on social media as well, you are really losing a lot of money, and I could give you an example if you'd like. But that is a huge, huge thing if you're not segmenting on social media. Right. That is, and that is something to think about, too. Now, when we say list, are we saying just the email list, or are we going beyond that? We're going beyond that. So for me, your list is really your whole community. So whether they're online, offline, on your email list, whatever the case may be, your social media list, your list is really your community, your whole community, your network, your community, your tribe. All of that is really your list. Now, obviously, the goal is always to get everybody on your email list connected to you on social media and everybody on social media connected to you on your email list if they fit the criteria of your ideal audience, right? Right. If they're not, then there's really no reason to do that. Correct. Correct. So uh, you mentioned, you know, we're talking just beyond the email list, but why is it that we should build an email list versus relying on the whole social media thing? Like what is, like, what is the important thing there? What do we need to bear in mind? I would say the biggest thing to bear in mind, so I know that we're on radio, but if everybody just kind of close their eyes for a second, just imagine this for one minute. Think of every single person you're connected to on Twitter. Think of every single person you're connected to on Facebook, everyone you're connected to on LinkedIn, all those circles on Google+, all those people on Pinterest, Instagram, all of those people. Okay, so just imagine every one of those people, and that should be thousands, right? Imagine what would happen if those people were on your email list. Think what that would do to your bottom line because the reality is that Facebook owns those people. You do not. All of those people, if Facebook shut your account down, 
LinkedIn closed, Twitter changed. Now, we see a lot of things that happen with Google and a lot of things that can happen. You don't own any of that. The only thing you own is your email list. And that is why you should always have them on your email list because everything else is just social. You don't own it. You're leasing it. Right. And that is something to bear in mind. If people complain, well, I don't like how Facebook uh, regulates things or I don't like how Twitter does this or what have you. But the thing you have to bear in mind is that that is somebody else's playing field. And if you don't like exactly. it, then just don't go. I mean, I personally, I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said this publicly a number of times, and it is what it is. I do participate in several social media platforms. I get involved with them personally on a daily basis. However, I do so with a fair amount of reluctance. I think of myself as a pretty private person, and I don't really want to interact with that many people day in and day out. And as far as the rapid response is sometimes required of social media and things like that, it's just, it just you know, really not my game. You know, me personally, but I do participate because it's very important for me to share with others and to receive what others are sharing because that's how we build greater communities and that's how we have a people to people type business environment. At the same time, uh, I don't share too much of myself because I'm a big believer in privacy. Uh, you know, people go to my personal Facebook page and they're going to see basically, <laughs> laugh or don't laugh, a lot of pictures of cats. Because that's what I love to post about. And what's really cool about that is that there are a lot of other people out there who love cats and love animals. And I have found that I get the greatest engagement when I post pictures of my cats. Uh, laugh all you want, but that's just by the numbers, by the number of I likes, don't think that's anything comments. to laugh about. Yeah, some people do, though, where they say I'm the crazy cat man of email marketing. Hey, that's, that's my label. Um, I'll have it put it in neon and hang it above my office. That's good by me. You know, I think that one of the things that people need to remember is that people do business with what they know, like, and trust. And right. it's not just who you know, it's how you know them. People always forget that part. How do you know them? So the thing is people like to engage with people who have similar interests with them. So, again, like the cats, right? Like I post about my puppies all the time. And I talk about them all the time. I talk about my children all the time. Uh -huh. And I have to tell you, that gets a lot of engagement. People like that. You become a person then. So I think that as long as people follow the algorithm and they have the percentages right, and, you know, there's a little bit of formulas there and stuff, I think that it's important. But the thing to remember is you always need to be where your target audience is. So if that's email marketing, that's great. If that's where you get the most engagement, that's where you should spend the most amount of time. Not everybody needs to be on every single platform, social media. Not every single platform is where your audience is. So you don't really need to be there. For me personally, 74% of my closed business, that means sales, comes from Twitter without me ever having tried to sell anything on Twitter. But it's the best lead generation tool I have ever found, hands down. Here's the big word, though, originates on Twitter. Now, that doesn't mean it stays there, but it originates on Twitter. Best lead gen tool ever, 74%. I love Twitter. Some people are saying Twitter's going downhill now. Oh, okay, and I'll ride the wave until it does. But I have uh -huh. to tell you, it starts on Twitter, goes to Facebook, and always ends up on email. That's interesting, and I like what you say about how it goes to passes through one other social network and then lands on email. So what are some of the things that you do, uh, let's say whether it's social media or anything else you're doing in the marketplace, to get people to opt into your list? Uh, I have my 25 recommended ways, of course, because it's what I do for a living, but uh, you're the expert here. I want to see uh, how many things you're doing that I'm not and need to start doing. Well, I could actually sit here and name a whole list and actually I have a whole list, and if any of your, your viewers want that, I'd be more than happy to just give that to them. Right. But for me, I tend to focus on things that have to do with people. Right. There are a lot of ways. I can tell you a lot of point-of-sales ways to do it. Right. However, it really is all about people and what it is you're doing. Now, I have to tell you, for me right now, the number one way that I am doing my email list by probably thousands every single month. Now, I'm a speaker. Yeah is that I have a text marketing campaign, and now when I speak, people ask me all the time, oh, Patty, I would really love to have a copy of PowerPoint. 
And so I tell everybody, well, take out your phone right now and text to 333-999, the word slides. And when they do, they come up and they have an opportunity to opt in, and then immediately they get a copy of the slides. I have to tell you that one thing literally has probably made me, I can't even tell you how much money, that one thing. Wow. So what, So you have, so basically we're doing like a text to email sort of thing. Yes. So we, you can do many different things, but people really do it. I do it with notes as well. A lot of times when I'm doing like workshops or webinars, people really want the notes because they want to listen and they don't want to write notes. And so I do the same thing. I already have the notes. I upload them to my website. And then I just have them text notes. And then they can actually pay attention, even though we know that a lot of times, you know, taking notes actually helps you to, um, you know, retain the information. But a lot of times people really want to focus. And I tell them, if you're somebody who likes to take notes, please do. If you're one of those people who don't want to take notes, here's what you have to do. And people just like a copy of the notes, right? And right. so they will text the word notes and they get that. So those two things have been really, really profitable for me. And it's also very, very easy for the audience as well. And as a speaker, and I have done it at book launches, so I've done it as an author, I've done it on the radio show, so might be something you might want to check out if you're not already doing it. Right. And it works really, really well. Like for show notes or any of those type of things, people like those, and it's very, very easy for them to do it, right? You know, very, very simple, and they like it. Now, I think the key thing that I will say here, that that in itself isn't enough. So I have to tell you, one of the things, Adam, that I am really, really big on is a stick strategy. So it isn't enough to get people to opt in. What are you going to do to get them to stay? So, you know, there's a lot of ways that people have people opt in, you know, whether it's, you know, teleseminars, telesummits, you know, book launches, challenges, you know, things that they do point of sale. There's a lot of different ways that people um, have somebody opt in. But the most important thing is what are you doing to get them to stay? We all know that a lot of times when people get freebies, as soon as they get the freebie, they unsubscribe. I believe that the reason why is because as soon as they get the freebie, everybody starts selling to them, right? And I don't really believe in that. I believe that the first thing you need to do is to show them, not tell them, but show them that you are going to provide them with consistent, relevant value. And so for me, whenever I have a freebie, I always want them to know that after that, the next three things they're going to get from me are valuable content that's relevant, right? So I think that's what's really important. And segmenting your list is really important there, right? So you're always providing content to people that is what they want to have. So obviously, if they came on my list through something from speaking, they go in an appropriate list, right? So I think that's really important. But making sure that they don't unsubscribe is really all about keeping your word, telling them that this is what you're going to get from me consistently, and then doing that. And then you can actually start, you know, providing a few things and giving them the option. Now, of course, obviously, we have email marketing to do that, marketing, right? But still, in the end, you do need to serve. Serve first, then you can get around to selling. You really are selling the whole time anyway, but you're just doing it in a way that serves them first. Let them know what they can expect from you, what you are going to consistently provide for them, that it is relevant content that they want to get, and they will wait to get your email, right? People tell me, oh, Patty, I can't wait till I get your email. You know, they know how often they're going to get it, and then when I have something there and I tell them about something, oh, oh, and that's the other thing. One of the things that I love to do for my list is I let them know that they get exclusive content that's not available to anybody else. If you're on my list, you get exclusive content, and then do what you say. Don't ever let anybody catch you in a lie. Exclusive content to them. They also get stuff first. You know, when things come out, they always get first. They get discounts that nobody else gets. So I provide them things, and it's worth their while to stay on my list. You know, I had a whole bunch of follow-up questions, and you accidentally or maybe intentionally answered a few of them without me even needing to ask, which is great. But you did leave a few on the table, so thank you for letting me continue to host okay, the show. Good. <laughs> but uh, I'm just teasing. But the, 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 the next question I have here is uh, you were speaking a few minutes ago about text, excuse me, text list building strategies where people text you to get the slides or text you to get the notes. 
So I just want to be, for the sake of absolute clarity, are we talking about those people remain on a texting list, or is there a way that you move them onto your email list? How, how do you do that? So what happens? Okay, so they text in, and then it comes back to them, and it says um, it comes back to them and tells them that um, for them to put their email address in, right? It tells them to put their email address in. When they put their email address in, it actually comes up and lets them know that when they receive whatever it is that I'm telling them they're going to receive, they also are getting a subscription to my newsletter or easing or whatever you want to call your thing, whatever uh -huh. your thing is, right, that, that you let them know up front that they're getting that. And then I, it always says before they put in, before they put in, it always says there, you know, your privacy policy, whatever it is. And then I always say that feel free to unsubscribe at any time if I don't live up to what I'm telling you that I will do. And I actually have a little disclaimer there that says that I always want to honor, you know, I always want to honor you and, you know, and it has this little thing that tells, you know, what it is that I'm going to do, what they can expect from me, how often they can expect it has it there, and then they opt into that. They can at any given time. And always when they get the email with the notes or slides or whatever they did in that email, it actually says it again. In that email, it actually says, if this is the only thing you want, please, here's the button. I make it nice and big. I do not want anybody on my email list if that's the only thing they wanted. And then I just say, if that is all, you know, I nicely say it, right? You know, if that's what you're looking for, here it is. But I would love for you to hang around, right, and kind of just see some other things that I might be able to provide for you. And I, and I usually say these are the things you can expect to get in my easing, and I kind of, kind of give them a little bit of things, provide some more value. And I have to tell you, I have a very, very small drop-off rate. Okay. Uh, even though you're basically planting seeds that people can get off your list? Yes. I think people like knowing that they have an option. I think that, you know, one of the things that infuriates me personally is like a big pet peeve for me. is When people have all this nice font and then you get to the bottom and you're trying to find the unsubscribe and it's like such a light gray color, you can't even see it. And it's like font size six, right? You know? Right. Um, make it very easy for them to unsubscribe. It actually costs you money to have people on your email list, right? If they are not your people, you don't want them there. They can always come back, right? I don't want them there if they don't want to be there. So I make it crystal clear up front. This is what you can expect from me. This is the value I'm going to provide. This is the content you're going to receive. I would love to have you be here. This is what you're going to get from me. And then I name off those things, you know, that you'll get exclusive content, blah, blah, blah. I name off all the things that they can expect to get from me. And I have very, very small drop-off rates. Okay, now we're, get, now we're getting somewhere. So what we're doing here, and this is very important, is you place a lot of emphasis on the value they're going to receive and you let them know that through a welcome email or whatever it is uh, so that they Absolutely. find out right away what they have to look forward to. Is there a weekly newsletter? What are some of the topics? I mean, obviously, you don't want to go on too long, but you let them know that there's going to be a lot of regular value, and it very much behooves them to sort of stick around for a little while and just see how things work out. Uh, and so what I see you doing here, I and, I asked, yeah, and I asked the question the way I asked it, uh, you're planting the seed for them to leave is because I wanted to hear you refute that, which you've delivered on perfectly, which is we're not telling them to leave per se, is what we're really doing is opening a conversation to why they want to stay. Exactly. And I think that, you know, you set that up in your autoresponders too. Like, for example, if I give somebody something that has, for example, I have this one that's like 10 ways to manifest more money. Right. And they opt in for that, right? So say they opted in for that. So after they opted in for that, the first thing that they're going to get from me after that, you know, is pretty much saying that if you love those, let me give you a few more. And so then I'm not trying to sell them anything. Then I'm telling them something else. And then the next one they get from me, well, you know, now that I've shared those with you, let me share with you a few strategies of how you may be able to implement those in your business. And then I tell them a few strategies about that. And then the next time I may say, you know, if you – you know, love those strategies. And if you've implemented those, I'd really love if you'd share that with me. Why don't you share that with me in my Facebook group? And then I give them the link to join my Facebook group, right? And so uh -huh. really I'm giving them other opportunities for them to connect with me in other places. Aha. Uh -huh. 
I like that. And what's also really cool about what you're doing here is you're creating a feedback loop. What we have found very effective in our campaigns is let's say somebody's opting in for the earth-shattering, groundbreaking special report that has the entire industry angry and and is going to totally turn things on its head, right? Uh, we all have a few of those, mm-hmm. but some of them are really good. And when you have that special report and somebody has opted in to receive that, you at that very moment have a high level of attention from them. And that means you're going to have a very high open rate and a very high click-through rate if you offer a click-through on the first email you send. You've given us a great model for Absolutely. some of the things that that email should include, all of which I agree with. Uh, what we like to do, and we have found this to be extremely, extremely effective, is we have the person reply. We'll put in a PS that says, hey, just want to make sure that I'm exactly. upholding my promise to you. So if you could just do a quick reply and just type received or got it or 10-4. We, you know, we have a little bit of fun with it depending on the audience and depending on the client's personality. Uh, I've had clients say, oh, no, I won't do that. That looks like a slick marketing technique. It's like, what, people-to-people marketing is a slick marketing technique? Now, I didn't say people-to-people marketing because you taught me that today. But same thing. It's the idea of what? Connecting with people who could be your business allies, that's, 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 that's slick marketing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry that you don't want to send your message, but leave my PS in there anyway. And so they do it. Well, and I next think... thing you know is they're getting all kinds of people saying, oh, Patty, wow, this is awesome. Uh, I remember when I met you at the Moribund Frankfurter concert in 2003. It's been so long. How have you been? I love your new website. And, hey, you want to be on my podcast and speak at my event? We've had stuff like that happen. Just exactly. because we asked them to confirm that they received the report. Also, there's the issue of email deliverability, where um, the more – email providers see an exchange between an address versus just broadcasting, the more likely they think of it as primary rather than promotional. I think that's true. And I also feel that one of the things that I think is really kind of an interesting thing about people that happens on social media too, is if you ever notice that if you post something, for example, and you ask their opinion, People will read it and they'll be like, oh, that looks really interesting, but I don't have time right now. I'll come back. And, of course, you know, they never do, right? So if you do that. However, one of the things that I found is you ask somebody a question that's true, false, uh, pick A, B, C, or just something super simple, they will literally do it and then they'll tell you why because they just love to give their opinion. People love to give their opinion. If you ask their opinion, then they don't have time. But if you ask them to do something super simple, they will usually, a great percentage of them, will do it and then tell you why. One of the things that I love to do whenever I send somebody something that's a list, that's why I love lists, you know, 10, top 10 things of this or or that, the thing that I always want to know is hit reply and tell me which, the number of which one you like the best or you're going to implement first something, and, you know, just say numbers. You're busy. I understand that you're really busy. Just go ahead. Hit reply right now and just tell me that number. And I have to tell you, I love it when they'll just, you know, very rarely do they just hit reply and say, oh, number four. <laughs> they always say number four because, and then they'll write like two paragraphs of why or, or why they may not like number nine or whatever. And you get a lot of feedback. And that feedback really honestly, it's like free data research, right? Uh-huh. I mean, people spend money getting data. You ask people questions, they will give you answers. You'll get all the data research you want for free. You know what we see. You know what we see, especially during election seasons on social media, is uh, folks will say, "Okay, just want to get a sense of who you like in this election." Uh, so type one for option A, type two for option B, type three for option C, and to control that, they'll say, "Just type your number. Don't tell me why. Extraneous comments will be deleted. This is only a head count." And you know how many people just obey that rule? <laughs> Because they could, it's like, oh, I gotta tell you why. I gotta tell you why. Absolutely. I mean, it's just people just really, really love to do that. So I ask questions. Also, a lot of times, I think one of the things that I do, and this is kind of one of my things I really love, I have to tell you, this is also helped me in social media as well. Um, one of the things that I do, and some people have said to me, Teddy, I can't believe you do that. Aren't you afraid that people are going to go to somebody else? 
No, because here's what I believe. I come from a very abundant mindset, and I believe that almost everybody that I collaborate with, we overlap in some way, shape, or form. However, if you're always thinking about your client and you're not thinking about you because it's never about you and it's always about them, that is never a problem, right? So that's why I believe in collaboration, not competition. So with that said, here is one of my um, ninja tricks, right, that really, really works for me. So one of the things I do, I do it on social media. It really works well on LinkedIn. And what I do is when I connect with somebody, I'll get to how I do it on email too. So when I'm doing it on social media, what I do is when I find somebody that I really like, like they really provide a good service that's complimentary to mine, you know, if you need me for this, you probably need a graphic designer, you might need a web person. I don't do those things, right? So I you know, find people that do, right? And so what I like to do is when people connect with me, I always like to be of value. And so one of the first things I always like to do is say, you know, one of the things that I always like to do, I am a master connector. I'm a people connector. I would love to connect you to the next five people that based on your profile and the conversation that we have had, that I think maybe it benefits you. And I would really love it if you think of it, maybe you should connect with them too, right? And then I literally give them links to go connect with other people. Now, here's the part that's really interesting. When I do it on social media, people will come back to me and I get two sets of people. The first set are people that I do that. And they're like, wow, Patty, thank you so much, right? Because they really love that you're being generous and you're telling them other people that you should connect with and you have to tell them why to. Never, never, never tell somebody or do an introduction without telling them why. Okay, so I tell them why. But the second set is where it really, really works. I get so many people come to me and they say, you know, Patty, I really love how you do that. How do I get to be one of those people that you're telling other people to connect to? Right? That's what they want to know. I have over 15,000 first-tier connections on LinkedIn, and I have to tell you, at least 100 people a week ask me that question. Now, how does that convert to email marketing? I do exactly the same thing. In my easy or in some of the things that I do, I like to say that too. So whatever I may be talking about, you know, top five ways to follow up after you go to a conference, I may say to them, you know, if I know they came to me at a conference and I'm talking about list building or whatever I was, my topic was, then I always say, oh, here's the next five conferences you might want to consider checking out. If they paid to come to the conference I was at, they might want to go to another conference, and I actually give them the links to other people's conferences. Wow. Now, when people do it and they tell people, people come back to me and they're like, wow, Patty, that's really, really generous of you. Do you think that makes me get more speaking engagements? Of course it does. I do the same thing every time I go and speak somewhere, right? We're in a people-to-people business, right? I don't believe in competition. When I'm done speaking and now I've made a relationship, I've built a relationship with the event planners, and they're like, oh, thank you so much, Patty. You did a great job. I always say to them, I know right now after the event, you know, you're probably really thinking about kicking back and relaxing. However, now that I have been here and I've served your audience, I've seen your event and I've seen, you know, who you serve, when you're looking for speakers for the next event, if you really are looking for somebody, I have a few suggestions for you that I think based on what I have seen when I've been here and your audience, I think would be a perfect fit for you. I always try to replace myself with other speakers when I'm done. That is something right there. Uh, I mean, when I hear things like that, because basically what you're doing is you're creating a networking effect. And what I really like about it, too, uh, and i, I got to tell you just from the bottom of my heart, is you have a way of doing it that's very assertive, very value-adding, but at the same time it's not aggressive and intrusive. And what I mean by that is when, somebody, when you connect with somebody, uh, like let's say there's five other people you think they should connect with, or there's you know, five events they want to maybe want to consider, you don't start these separate social media conversations that are like, uh, you know, Dave meet Martha, Martha meet Dave, that sort of thing. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that like hate that a lot. But right. the way you do it is you say, hey, here's five people that based on what I know about you or, or the fact that you made this connection with me today that I think might also be worth it for you to connect with. And they look at these people and they may connect with five out of five because they like to connect with everybody. They may connect with four out of five because they say, well, these four are cool, but this one I already know is a complete dunce weenie head, and I don't want anything to do with them. But they're not going to tell you that. They're just going to say, thanks, Patty, I connected with four out of five. But because you didn't force them into awkward interactions, you're awesome. Exactly. But when they do go and connect with those people and they tell them, 
hey, I just wanted to connect with you because I connected with Patty Farmer and she said that I should connect with you. Some of those people come back to me and say, wow, Patty, that was really nice of you. So in my e-zine, I'm always trying to provide that. Like so other places, you know, webinars they might want to be. Now, first of all, Adam, I have to tell you, this is really not that hard. I have, you know, Google Docs that say all the conferences and what their topics are about. You know, I have, you know, virtual summits, all that kind of stuff. It's copy and paste. So it's not like this is a, you know, hours-long process for me. It's right. that I have a conversation with somebody, I ask good questions, and then I find ways to serve them, and it's very easy. How many times, if you think about it, have you read a blog and you thought, wow, this is some really, really great stuff, and then a month later, somebody says something on social media, and you think, oh, wow, they should read that blog, and then you can't figure out where it is. You're like, man, and, but you don't want to go back and spend all this time finding it. As soon as I read something, hear something, attend something, read a book, whatever the case may be, and I find it interesting, I go to my Google Docs where I have everything in a column about topics, right, because this is what I do. I put those links in there, and then whenever somebody says that, that's how I become a resource. Whenever somebody says, oh, wow, I really would like to know more about this. I'm having a problem with this. I'm like, oh, wait, I think I read something about that. Go to my Google Docs, copy and paste, boom, this might be something that might be of interest to you. Done. Like, and I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday I was on the phone with somebody in Canada, and she was talk, telling me about this network she has in Canada, and she only does things in Canada, and that she was really interested in, you know, becoming more of a speaker. And when I got off the phone call with her, I sent her a link to the top 100 events in Canada. I mean, I knew, you know, I know a lot of people in Canada. You know, I've given it out lots of times. And so I did that. Then I told her, that, oh, well, if that's the case, you might want to join my Facebook group for speakers, right? So it's like you're serving them. You're not pushing it down their throat. You're just giving them options of ways that you can be of value to them. Right. And I think that's what's important. People tell me they like to stay on my e-sign list because they like to get all the information that they don't have to go find themselves. They love knowing, you know, there's a link there for conferences. There's a link there for speakers. There's... Now, I have all kinds of things that if those are my people, right, it all goes back to are you talking to the right audience, if they're interested in those things, that's the most important part. I think a big mistake that people make in email marketing is that once they get people on their list, every time they send something out, they send it to everybody. That's where you really need to make sure that you're segmenting your list and in social media as well. Same thing. So, Adam, I'm going to tell you, one time I was speaking in New York City. I was going to New York, and there were going to be about 150 people at this event. I segment every single person on social media. So, for example, in this case, on Facebook, every single person I'm connected to on Facebook is in a list where the state they live in, the city, if it's a major city, you know, Dallas, Houston, for example, right, whatever the major city, and how we are connected. Are they a speaker, an author, a blogger? Do they have a magazine? Are they a publisher? Whatever the case may be, a blogger, they're in that list as well. So I'm going to New York. I did one post on Facebook, and I only put it to the people in New York, the list of people I had in New York. It doesn't it annoy you when people send you things and say you should come to my event in Wisconsin and you live in New York, right? You right. want to hear that, right? So, so I send it to only people in New York, one Facebook post. I said, hey, I'm going to be in New York speaking. Would love to come in a day early and meet you face-to-face and kind of continue the conversation we've started on social media. Here's where I'm going to be. Hope to see you there. 176 people showed up. More people showed up for that than at the event I was actually flying in to speak. I do it every single place I speak. Wow. See, that right there is some solid gold. If you're listening to this live, make sure you are subscribed to our channel on iTunes so you can get this download. If you are listening to the download on iTunes now, rewind, play that again a couple times. Do it slowly. Take copious notes. I mean, this is some serious masterclass level stuff here we're talking about. This is really, 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 really good. Uh, a couple quick questions here, and we're already three-fourths of the way through, so we have about 10 minutes left, so I want to do some rapid-fire stuff here. Uh, a lot of people use tripwire sequences so you opt into their list and you immediately show them like a seven dollar offer maybe it's buy my book for free or you rather get my book for free just pay 6.95 shipping and handling or i have this seven dollar course for you and it's like a 45 minute video or something like that uh 
I know that's a little bit different than your recommendation, but have you ever done those and or have you seen those either be effective or not? I, I'm asking this open-ended because I want to get your thoughts on those. I think it was very, very effective a year ago. I don't think it's as effective now. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. I think it still works, but like anything else, I don't think it's the first place you should go. I think if you give them really good content for free first, and you're doing that in an autoresponder, so it's not like it's taking any of your time. I really like the one-time offers, so OTO, I really like one-time offers. I think those really, really work well. And not only that, it, it distinguishes right there where they're going to go in your sales process, right? You know, because right. there's going to be people who are always going to love your information. They're never going to buy from you, right? It gets them right now so you know, are they the tire kicker, right? Do they just want information, which really is great. Let's be on social media. If you're on my email list, where are you in the process? So I think it's really important to establish that right away. So I do think it works. I like doing it a little bit differently than a lot of people do, but I do think it works and it can be effective if you do it properly. Right. Uh, I, I, I get that. And I think, it's, I think it works differently for different markets as well because we've tested in some places and it's absolute dynamite. And in other places, uh, you know, it's good enough that we leave it there because it does help to segment some people. The people that pay the $7 right away, the, you look at that as being like a higher level prospect for like your coaching program or to come to your event or something like that than the person who just opts in and doesn't do anything else. So they kind of identify themselves as, hey, if uh, I'm serious enough to learn about this, that I'll stop right now, even though I opted in just a minute ago, and I'll give you seven bucks. Here's what I'm going to say, Adam, and maybe I'm really going out on the limb right here, but here's what I'm going to say. Go on the limb. Go now, on I don't know about limb. you, but <laughs> okay, I don't know. Okay, I have spent many $7 or $17 or whatever, and the stuff I got was crap, like really bad, right? Yeah. I didn't even think it was worth $7. Like literally, that's even really a good freebie to tell you the truth. I've seen some really bad ones. Right. Don't do right. that. So what I'm going to say is right now, because people are really getting to know that, they've been burned a few times with stuff yeah. that's not very good, I think it still works, but what I'm going to say is make yours really good. Don't get into the, oh, it's $7 mentality. Think you're giving it to them for $7 and give them something worth 50 right? Really make it robust. Stand away from everybody else who's doing the $7, giving them something not so good, and then it will really work for you. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it should be something that's very actionable that they can implement right away and make money with. Because if I spend $7 and I do what you told me to do, and I make 35 bucks as a result of it, I just got five to one ROI. Exactly. But if I spend seven dollars and all I get is a all I get is a sales pitch to buy your larger home study course, then I'm going to say, you know what? I could have spent that on breakfast. I uh, think you owe me breakfast now. Next time, next time you come to my town, Patty, you're buying me breakfast. You owe me. Exactly, because if they spend seven dollars and, like you said, they made thirty-five dollars, they're going to think, wow. If I spend seven dollars, what kind of ROI am I going to get if I spend two ninety-seven? or 997 or whatever the case may be. So, you know, right then and there, this is the trust factor, right? You told them something. This is what you said you were going to provide. You did. They implemented. They got a response, right? And it was a positive response. Now they're going to be open to the next thing. So really that is a process, right? That is part of our funnel, right? And I think it really works. But I always really want to say in this time where we are right now, I really want to say – you know, we kind of have a flooded market a little bit, and we have a flooded market with junk, <laughs> right? Because everyone's telling everybody, oh, yeah, just do this or this or this. Really do something robust. Give them something really, really good. I, I like to say all the time that in the beginning, give them your best stuff, right? Give them your best stuff because the thing that comes the easiest to you is the thing that you're going to be able to charge the most for, down the road. So in the beginning, give them the good stuff so that they know what they're going to expect from you. Yeah, I th yeah, I think that's something that's very important for us to consider when we look at all this is make sure that if you're asking for a value proposition up front, that that's going to turn into a really great value. Because yeah, as you said, if I, um, if I give you $7 and I go and I turn that into $50, like maybe it was the answer to this problem I've been struggling to, to resolve. And because I no longer have to struggle, I'm able to do something really good for my business. So I'm able to 
really do something for a client. So now I'm a hero to my clients. So for $7, you made me a hero. That's good enough for me. Exactly. But if, but if all I heard was, uh, all I heard was uh, nine pages of your life story followed by two pages of pitch for why should people join masterminds? Uh, gee, I wonder where that's going. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, exactly. I'm with you. Right, 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 right. So another thing. So another question I have here is, um, and we really only do have about four minutes before I turn over the floor to you to, you know, to share something with us. Is, um, you know, how uh, do you merge your social selling and your email marketing strategies and make them work together? And the reason I ask this question this way is because I think there are a lot of people out there who uh, actually find uh, playing on social media more fun than writing another email. So how do we get those two to work together? Exactly. Okay, that's a really good question. I'm going to try to make it really fast since we don't have very much time. Here's the most important thing I think people should remember. The modern consumer is digitally driven, socially connected, and mobile empowered. I'm going to say it again. The modern consumer is digitally driven, socially connected, and mobile empowered, and you need to keep that in mind all the time. So right now, social selling, by definition, is the process of developing relationships as part of the sales process. So I think that people forget what that really means. So in today's business environment, that often takes place via social networking, but can take place both online and offline. So a lot of times people think social selling means only social media. That is not true. It's really about having those relationships become part of the sales process. So that is really, really important to remember. And I'm going to very, very quickly give them a couple things to say about that. Right now, buyers are already 57% through the purchase process before a sales professional even speaks to them. That is really, really huge. They realize a 66% greater quota attainment than somebody using traditional prospecting techniques if they use social selling, online and offline. So it's very, very important to get your people that are online, offline, and on your email list, and your people that are on your email list online as well. You need to have both, and the revenue is in the relationship, and the key is to serve, not sell, but the secret is to know your ABCs, which in sales, we know what that means, but really, for me, it means always be connecting. Always be connecting, know your audience, provide relevant content and value consistently, collaborate versus compete, and then create social offers. That's how you're going to take the social selling and turn that into email marketing is by creating social offers. But you can't go directly to that. You have to do the other things first. That's the social part. Then you can get into really utilizing social selling and getting them in your sales process. So there's a lot of ways to use social for offers, right, challenges, contests, Challenges are working really, really good right now. They're a huge list builder. You can do them for seven days, 30 days. People really love them. And if you're not using them in your marketing strategy, I really think that is something that people should check out. Wow, that's really good. So in our last couple minutes here, uh, what I want to do is I want to turn the floor over to you. Uh, and I figure I better give you a couple minutes because uh, you know I found that you tend to be a very giving person, uh, somebody who will be helpful to others, and uh, is, uh, what is it that you have to share with our audience today in terms of helping our business creators win at the game of business and marketing? Uh, what would be the next step that they should take if they want to learn more about you or they want to receive something from you that may help them in their exploits? Well, of course, when you come visiting somebody, you should always bring a gift, right? That's what my mom yeah. taught me when I was younger, so of course I brought one, right? So um, I did bring a gift. Um, I'm sure that you're probably going to have it somewhere, but I'll just quickly say it. It is six, and that's not the number. That's the word, six, S-I-X, figure biz quiz, so nice and easy, sixfigurebizquiz.com. And basically, it is an assessment. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't do anything else, this assessment will look at where you are right now. It will tell you what you're really good at, what you're excelling at, 
where you need a little bit of help, and most importantly, what the next steps you can take. This doesn't have anything to do with hiring me. It's not a sales pitch, but I'm going to tell you there's so much value. I have all my clients do it before they even come to work with me, but I'm going to tell you this one assessment, I spent a lot of time on it, but it will really, really help you to know where you are in your business, what you need to do next, what you're good at, what you need help on, and those questions in that assessment, when you get the answers to that, will actually help you what to do next. And then when you do it, we actually send you something after that to help you. Oh, see, look at that. You leave us with a tease besides. Look at that. Uh, you, we take your quiz. You're going to give us another gift. You're going to keep adding value. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, you sure you're not going to offer us uh, a big home study course? Because I want an offer for a big home study course right away. I know, but I think that I need to provide relevant content for you. I mean, maybe that's for you, maybe it's not, right? But I always want to make sure that it's always the right thing. But really, honestly, I just really want to continue the conversation. So um, if there's anything that I can do, if anybody wants any of that information, I'm more than happy. Like you said, I am very generous. I really love to give out the information. I feel like that really is the way to do it. So I'm more than happy to do that. Well, yeah, and I think I think that's great. And uh and uh, you don't have to share your results necessarily if you don't want to. But you know, I see a lot of uh, organizations out there these days that are doing quizzes is their lead generator. And I think part of the value of that is, as you said, people love to answer the question. You know, like you do a like you do a political campaign survey. Which candidate are you voting for? Just tell me the number. Don't tell me why. And then you get 50 percent of the people that break that rule. They just gotta tell you. So you ask them a, you ask them a question exactly. on a survey, and they just got to tell you. They just got to tell you. And uh, what's also good about that for you is you get intelligence on that person. So it helps to help you segment them and understand how you can best support them. Uh, so have you seen? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so so I take it. Uh, is there anything else you would add to that? I think that it is, if somebody is interested in doing that, it does work really, really well. For me, it is a lead generation tool, but I'm going to tell you more importantly than that, every single thing that I do, I want to make sure that if I never speak to them again, if they never contacted me again, is that assessment, is that biz quiz going to be something that provides them with value? And that was what was most important to me, and it absolutely does. Well, they'll remember that later on. And you know what? We're going to squeeze in one more question here. We have exactly 90 seconds to ask this question. So here we go. Um, okay. It's kind of a two-parter, but this is on a lot of people's minds. Part one, uh, have you seen any pluses or minuses with the effectiveness of when somebody opts in, enters their name and email address to receive something, to also ask them their, for their phone number? And then part two, when they do give you the number, if it really helps your business conversions and your sales conversions when you call them to follow up? I say always give them the option. So I always like to put it there and they can put it in there if that's something they're interested in. And basically, here's the number one way I use it. We all know that some people like email, some people like text, some people like phone. We all have a preferred method of communication. Make the very first thing that when you're contacting them in there, ask them, what is your preferred method of communication? And let them answer it for you, and that is how you should follow up. Uh-huh. So, but what I'm saying is a lot of people will also, you know, want that to get the phone number. So if, like, later on they're doing a phone drive to sell seats there their event or something like that, that's where I see it most commonly used. I think that's spammy. I don't think they gave you their phone number for that. They didn't give you permission for that. I would never do it. Okay, so uh, so that so that that's Personally. a view there. I mean, I, I know other people that are cleaning house with it. So I think what you're leaving us with here, and this is a great and this is a great place to break off. I think is that there are many strategies you can use, and what you need to do ultimately is people to people selling. Find out how they respond, what they respond to, how they prefer to be communicated with, and ultimately let give them the opportunity to tell you. Don't assume that they don't want it or don't assume that your audience will reject it test it find out you could be pleasantly surprised and if, exactly. it, turns out, if it turns out it doesn't work just say oh okay we okay oh, that didn't work out no more phone calls or up oh, nine emails you can put that many, in your email if they gave you if they gave you the number it's always easy in the in your email to say 
you know, don't have time to read, prefer to have a phone call, right? Put your phone number right here. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can implement that. Oh, that's solid gold. I'm going to have to borrow that one. Uh, so that's a, that's an even better place to leave off is with another tactic that our audience can use. Uh, Patty Farmer of six figurebizquiz.com. Everybody go to that. Thank you very much. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you so much, Adam. It was a pleasure to be here. This is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Till next time, have a great day. Take care.